G'day sports fans, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast. Coming back at you with the first episode in 2023. Happy New Year, hope you had a great holiday break. Most people have gone back to work. Been a while since I've produced a podcast. Obviously, the last episode came back in mid-December, but been working on a couple of bits and pieces. We've got the studio up and running for those uh, observing via YouTube. You can check that out. You might notice uh, that there's a little area behind me that JLo and I plan on doing our podcasts. We're bringing that back on Sunday at the moment, see how things go. But today I'm going to talk about AFL Fantasy. As every coach knows, AFL Fantasy platform is back up and running. So I'm going to talk through a couple of players that I think you have to pick in your initial squad of 30. Touch a little bit on the NBA MVP race as well. I dropped an article last week, about a week ago, looking at how some of the stars in the league had shuffled the order of that. So touch on that a little bit, but fantasy of the AFL variety will dominate most of this podcast. So let's dive right into it. I was one of the coaches that very excitedly got onto my computer late last night and made my first AFL fantasy side for 2023. Now I know that there's going to be a lot of changes and a lot of tweaks that happen to your team from now until mid-March. I think it's the 19th that round one and partial lockout officially kicks off, but there's plenty of preseason stuff I'll go through over the coming months. Regardless of what happens with these seven players I'm about to mention though, I think they're almost surefire locks. A couple a little bit riskier than others, and there's a couple of honorable mentions as well that I'm going to talk about, but I think that the seven players that I'm about to list are all players that you can pick now, you can leave in the spot, you plan on picking them, and they'll be there by the time the season starts. Injuries, obviously, uh, withstanding. So a couple of the honorable mentions, James Warple in the midfield is a real cheap character who's tempting some coaches. I thought about it when I was having an initial look, and he still might bounce into one of my midfield spots, but... There's another player I'm a little bit higher on than him in the uh, similar price vein that I'll talk about later on. Rowan Marshall, he nearly made the cut. I think a lot of people are a bit worried about Tom Campbell's presence in the ruck at St. Kilda. I'm hoping that Ross Lyon can just unleash Rowan Marshall and he'll probably start in the ruck for me as well. A couple of other players that, you know, not super mainstream, but Rory Laird, priced at 120, he Bossed it last year, was easily the best player in the game. Only played 20 games and still scored the fourth most points from memory. But his asking price is just a bit too much for me. I view him more as an upgrade target throughout the year. But if you can afford it and it fits your team structure, I can see why people be picking Laddy. Christian Salem down back, he's someone that I've definitely got my eye on. And the last honorable mention goes to Connor Rosie, who ended the year really well, averaged about 105 following his round 10 buy. But He's priced at 88, so I don't know. Can he keep going at that 105 level? Maybe. And he's someone that I'm toying with picking, but I think he's far from a lock. So let's dive into the seven players that you must have in your AFL fantasy side for 2023. First one is Matthias Philippou, the St. Kilda rookie. He's a mid-forward priced at $283,000. And he, I think, is a rising star, Smokey. I know that there was a lot being made about him potentially being the best player in the draft and the lead up to the draft. And the Saints will be wrapped that they can get their hands on him. He'll probably play on a bit of a half forward flank. And if Ross Lyon gives him enough games, I think he can genuinely challenge to win the rising star. If not, he might be a bit sporadic and score shitty, but 
if he's in the round one team, you got to pick him. If he starts the season for St Kilda, I think that he is going to be a really good scorer. The last three NABLAB games that he played in as a junior, he averaged 148. Uh, sorry, he scored 148, 155, and then 158. So some pretty big digits right there. So hopefully he can transition that scoring capacity over to the pros and St Kilda gives him plenty of run. Nick Dacos is number two, a defender priced at $769,000. He's in my team and isn't going anywhere. Average 86.9 in his rookie year last year and definitely didn't look out of place. He was a star for Collingwood, won the rising star. And there's some talk of probably not as soon as the upcoming season, but in the future, Collingwood utilizing Nick Dacos more in the midfield, maybe on a wing or not just as an attacking halfbacker. He's a superstar of the competition, if not already. Superstar is probably a bit of a stretch, but he's already a star, I think you can say. And I only think he's going to get better. There's a bit of a murkiness amongst the defenders, especially at the top end of the spectrum this year. But I think Nick Dacos is someone that you can probably pick with confidence. Priced at 87. Can he go triple figures? Might be a bit of a stretch, but... I have him in the mix as a top six defender, especially if Collingwood continues to get the ball into his hands like they kind of did towards the end of last year. He's a special talent and he's going to be in my side the entire season. His new teammate, Tom Mitchell, is up next. Midfielder priced $853,000. Surely a change of scenery will help unlock this bloke. I know that his last year at Hawthorne, his magnet was thrown all over the board a bit. He was kind of playing half forward and then he was outside at stoppage contests rather than being the bullocking bull in there that we've seen him do for, you know, eight plus years. It was a bit bizarre from Hawthorne, but clearly they're transitioning into a different age demographic and they really want to try and fast forward that rebuild. Hence the reason he now plays for the Collingwood Magpies. Surely Craig McRae just throws him in at the stoppages, just says, do what you do, mate, get your 30, even if 20 of them are handballs and get us seven clearances a game. And that'll definitely help Collingwood get better and challenge for a flag in my eyes. So I think Mitchell, he went under a hundred last year, which is the first time that's happened since 2014, not including the uh, shortened quarters back in 2020. Even if you take them into account and you multiply the scores, still ticked over a hundred. So I expect him to, push back into that bracket, probably improve about 10 points, which has him about 105 with a couple of big performances in there as well. That's me being a little bit, mm, not pessimistic, but ten, you know, tentative, keeping a bit of a lid on it. Cause I really think we could see Mitchell go back to 110 plus and emerge as one of the top five players in the game this season. I won't talk long about the next bloke because everyone's going to be sick of hearing his name by the end of the fantasy preseason. But Will Ashcroft is currently the most picked player in the competition, believe it or not. He's a rookie, 298K. He's midfielder only, and he may pick up another position later in the year. But even if he doesn't, I think this kid has class written all over him. I think he can challenge and potentially play all 22 games for Brisbane, played a bit of VFL footy last year, 14 NAB League games, didn't look out of place when he stepped up to VFL level as well. So he should be the number one uh, pick if you're going off dynasty rookies in my eyes. And I think he's going to be a star of the future, similar to Nick Dacos. And in his rookie season, given his price, he will be the most picked player when season officially starts. And I can see why the kid is super talented. So slot him into one of your last couple of on-field midfield spots and enjoy the show. Timmy Taranto is up next, priced almost exactly the same as Tommy Mitchell, but he has mid-forward status. 846K, he's going to set you back. And he's also in a similar position as Tom Mitchell, if you ask me. He has left GWS and gone to Richmond. Richmond traditionally don't have a lot of fantasy numbers 
in their games and they don't have a lot of high scoring players. But I think Taranto really can buck that trend. He's a stoppage specialist, loves to tackle. First couple of games last year when Toby Green was out, there was talk of him potentially playing up forward. And no matter where he scored, I think he scored four straight hundreds, a couple of 120s in there. Uh, no matter where he played, rather, I think he's going to dominate. And he's probably going to do the same thing at the Tigers. There's midfield minutes up for grabs. Dusty's getting older. Trent Cotchin's in the last phase of his career. And you haven't really seen the likes of Riley Collier Dawkins or Jack Ross kind of push up and take the mantelpiece in that Richmond midfield. So I think that hopefully... Hardwick uses Taranto in a lot of CBAs and gives him a lot of midfield minutes. And as a result, he scores pretty well in fantasy. Two to come. The last one is the defender who I think is the easiest pick of the bunch. And that is Sam Doherty. Averaged 110 last year. The fourth most, third most, sorry, total points in the entire competition, if you don't mind. Clearly looks back to his best. Awesome comeback season. Was a really good feel-good story for a lot of footy faithful. And I think that he has the potential to go 110 again. He's probably going to be closer to your 1.5 or low 100s, but who's really going to challenge him? Let's have a look through some of the other blokes. You got Jack Sinclair, maybe, but he showed he was pretty susceptible to a tag last year. Jordan Dawson, he's probably the one I have the most confidence in, but he's also been inconsistent at times. Tommy Stewart, not really. I don't think he's going to get the volume. Then you got couple of other dudes that are floating around. You could go with someone like Angus Brayshaw, Alex Witherden, and then it starts to get murky in the Dacos Hayden Young territory. So I think that Doc is a safe bet to be the best fantasy defender that we see next year. And I know that you might not get bang for your buck paying up for him to start the year, but if he's going to score the most points out of all defenders, why don't you just pick him and then you don't have to worry about having him later in the year. The final one of the seven and someone that I will not leave my side this year, barring injury, is Dominic Sheed. I might have to upload him uh, closer to the post-buy rounds and turn him into a jet, but I think Dom Sheed is primed for the best year of his career in 2023. He had injuries really derail him last season. He's priced at $591,000, which is an average of about 66, 63. I think he's easily going to go 90 plus, maybe go into the high 80s if something happens and he gets thrown around not playing as much midfield time as I think, but there's someone that needs to step up in that West Coast midfield as the, maybe not the future captain, but that type of vibe, the next star, the one that they can lean on at the stoppages. Tim Kelly hasn't really taken that mantle and it seems like he's more of a Robin compared to a Batman. Luke Shuey's getting older. It's a couple of young kids like Ruben Gimby who might step into that mold and emerge as that player in years to come. But Right now, I think, is Dom Sheed's time. Redden's retired and out of there. Like I said before, Shuey's getting banged up. So I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for Dominic Sheed to go bang, have a lot of handballs, have a lot of tackles, kick a couple of goals. He scores in all facets of the game, and he's too cheap to pass up on. I'm kind of siding with picking someone like him over a James Warple, who I've already mentioned, because Warple played all of last year and still kind of sucked. (laughs) He will be better, I think, and I might have both, but... Dom Sheed, the reason that his price so cheap is injury affected. And I think his bounce back year will be the best year of his career. Before I get out of here, like I said, I want to talk a little bit about the NBA MVP race. So most teams, pretty much every team now has played high thirties number of games, if not the exact magic number of 41 to signal that we've reached the halfway point in the NBA season. And we've got a hell of an MVP race on our hands. I think, like I've said a couple of times before to mates earlier in this podcast, 
there's a loaded field with stars. It really is hard to kind of sort out your pecking order for lack of a better term. But I think Nikola Jokic belongs at number one right now. There's a couple of players who maybe are having better individual seasons statistically. Luka Doncic, for example, he was second in my updated ladder, moved up from third, took a spot of Jason Tatum, who's dipped a little bit, even though his play hasn't. Giannis, I think, is still squarely in the mix. And they're just one big winning streak away, the Bucks, from tearing it wide open and him pushing for another MVP award. And then it starts to get a little bit weird, but I still think there's some genuine contenders in the bottom half of this MVP ladder. You look at Joel Embiid, he's someone that doesn't appear on a lot of ballots at all, which baffles me because the bloke came runner-up the last two years. I know Philly isn't as sexy as some of these other teams in the way that they're going about it. And a lot of people are kind of, wanting to see them fail myself a little bit included after the way that James Harden's acted for the last few years, but Embiid is a superstar. I had him at six on my most recent ladder and I couldn't find a way to bump him up. I really wanted to, and he still might climb in coming weeks and next ladder additions, but yeah, Joel Embiid is someone to not sleep on if you ask me. And then you get a weird, like I said, collection of characters. Where do you put like Donovan Mitchell had 70 points, to start the year. Does he ascend into the top five as a true contender? Steph Curry has been out, but if he comes back, can he be healthy and dominate again? Having probably the best statistical year of his career, Kevin Durant, his numbers have been elite as well, but he's just gone down for a couple of weeks with a knee issue. So, you know, how do you filter out all these blokes? We really are looking at an unprecedented MVP race, if you ask me. And that's without even talking about players like Zion, Jar, Tyrese Halliburton, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Shout out to the Knicks guys as well. Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle have been playing like all-stars and maybe fringe MVP contenders if the Knicks did something crazy with their record. But again, I digress from a lot of this kerfuffle to talk about Nikola Jokic. I think that he is number one. And he's the clear number one right now. Not only is he having, I don't want to say the best statistical season of his career, but I think he is maybe a couple less points here and there, but he's leading every advanced analytic. Everywhere you look, Jokic is putting up numbers. So I think that that's something we have to take into account. And the Nuggets are number one in the West. Jamal Murray has been working his way back, showing a bit of rust, but started to shake that. Michael Porter Jr. has been in and out of the lineup already this year. And still, Jokic just keeps getting it done, putting up a near triple-double while shooting 60%. The dude's a freak. A lot of the time, we'll get voter fatigue when we have a superstar like Jokic, who really dominates the league in a way that we're not used to seeing. Like I think Bill Simmons was talking about how he reminds him of Larry Bird. I don't really know if there is a comp for Nikola Jokic. His touch and his vision and his basketball IQ makes him one of, if not my favorite players to watch in the entire league. And I think he is the MVP leader right now. Again, we're halfway through the season, so something could change. But right now, it's Jokic's MVP to lose. And that's it. Another Sports by Fry episode in the books. Like I said, there's a couple of other things that I've been tweaking and working on that will come out later in the week and then rolling into next week. JLo hopefully will be back on the weekend for a Sunday sit-down. Well, well overdue Sunday sit-down that he and I both look forward to. Going to do an NBA trade article as well that I kind of look at a trade for all 30 teams, make it a win for the certain team, but still somewhat realistic. A lot of the teams are kind of shuffling pieces around and trying to get some draft picks, but there are some contenders that I think I've come up with some pretty savvy and smart moves for as well. So that'll be the next article to drop. Make sure you keep your eyes peeled for that. But thank you for listening to this episode. If you're watching on YouTube, 
make sure you hit that subscribe button. Appreciate you listening in the podcast form. Again, subscribe for more episodes and I will chat to you next time.